0: All right. Well, welcome to uh, welcome to dirt bike church. I'm Chuck Leemaster with team faith. And I, like I said, I've scrunched the chairs in. So if you need to move the chairs, if you don't like your neighbor, uh, you know, move your chair, go sit in the rain. Cause you would deserve that then. So, <laughs> um, but anyway, more chairs back there, make yourselves comfortable. Lord, thank you so much for today. Just thanks for the blessing of being at a racetrack. Thanks for even the weather. It's, uh, it's been great temperature wise, a little bit of rain, a little bit of drizzle makes the track slippery, but we are still here. And we just invite you into this place. Would you come and just open up our hearts so we can hear what you have to say to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So, welcome back to GNCC Long Summer Break, or a short summer break, depending on your perspective. I know that we've had a couple of holidays. We just had Labor Day, so everybody got a day off of work. We recently had Fourth of July while we were on break. And then there was yet another day of remembrance that you probably didn't know about is at the very end of June. June 29th is actually known as the International Day of the Christian Martyr. June 29th Christian tradition holds is the day that the Apostle Paul was beheaded by Emperor Nero in 66 AD. So June 29th is the International Day of the Christian Martyr. This past June, Voice of the Martyrs magazine, Christian magazine, featured on its front cover a picture of a guy named Jonathan Chow. And Jonathan Chow earned his place on the front cover of Voice of the Martyrs magazine. Uh, Quite honestly, actually, the story goes like this. Jonathan Chow, born in December of 1991. He was born to, his dad was a Chinese immigrant, had believed in Confucius. You know that little symbol, a little bit of good, a little bit of bad in all of us. Uh, converted to Christianity his mother was a Christian henceforth Jonathan Chow was raised in a Christian home And he came to know Jesus Christ as his Savior at a very young age But as a child he would go out. He had two things that he loved two things that Johnson Chow loved he loved Exploring and he loved Jesus Christ as a teenager those loves combined and he was an adventurer, explorer He got into mountain climbing But he also got into reading books, as all of us do in the teenage years. We have to do book reports and so forth. The books that Jonathan Chow would choose to read were about Christian explorer missionaries. Guys like uh, David Livingstone, who had uh, explored Africa and evangelized in Africa in the 1800s. Read guys, uh, read about, read the book um, Gates of Splendor, through Gates of Splendor, which is highly recommended. I've read it myself. It's the story of uh, Indians in a remote Ecuador village Jim Elliott felt called to evangelize to reach these unreached people, people of an unknown language. And so Jim Elliott and four other missionaries tried over and over to make contact with this this village in Ecuador. Felt like they were making inroads and so they flew in their plane one day and like, okay, we're going to land, we're going to do this, we're going to meet them. And ten warriors came out of the jungle and killed all five of the missionaries and destroyed the plane and a terribly sad story but the story goes on the book goes on to explain how Jim's wife and the other missionaries wives were able to actually reach those people for Jesus and evangelize them Christians in Ecuador now because of Jim Elliot and his faith so these stories were quite inspiring to this kid Jonathan Chow when he was in high school he took a missionary trip took a missionary trip down to Mexico when he came back from Mexico, his life, that was kind of a pivot point in his life where you could almost see it. In his, He did a video blog, and in that blog, he challenged other people uh, of his own age on YouTube to put their trust in Jesus Christ and to find out what they believe and why they believe it. From this point on, Jonathan Chow really started having a heart for missions. As a teenager, he stumbled across a website called the Joshua Project, thejoshuaproject.com. On this website, there was mention of a remote island off the coast of India. The Sentinel Island, the Sentinelese people. Unknown language, unreached, matter of fact, such a dangerous place to go. The people so remote, so, uh, so tribal, that the Indian government had put this island on the do not visit list. Like, it's against the law to go to this island. But Jonathan Chow, as he was reading about Sentinel Island, Matthew 28 19 came to life in his heart go and make disciples of all nations so Jonathan Chow as a teenager he just really felt like God was calling him to go reach the sentinel people for Jesus Christ from that moment forward when he read that on the joshuaproject.com from that moment forward every decision that Jonathan Chow made was all about going to reach the sentinel people for Jesus so after he graduated high school, he enrolled in Oral Roberts University. He had a major in exercise silence, evangelism, and linguistics. Basically, how to learn the culture and how to survive in, in an unknown culture. Uh, he took two mission trips while in college, went to South Africa just for the experience of being on the mission field. Graduated college, took one more mission trip to South Africa, took another mission trip to Iraq just again for the experience of how do you do this? How does this how does missions work? And then He started working for a disaster relief organization. Got certified as an EMT, an emergency medical technician. And he spent four years, he never could find a mission organization that would sponsor him or buy into the vision that he had for going to Sentinel Island. And so he spent four years on his own dime, on his own time, going to India. And getting to meet Christian people in India and making connections. He found the underground church in India, found Christians, he started explaining what his vision was, what he felt that he was called to do. He finally got hooked up with a guy named Alex, a 28 year old uh, engineer who lived in Port Blair. And Alex is actually Carolese, which means that he descended from a small sect of Christianity of intensely Christian Indians who, as tradition has it, They were converted about two decades after the crucifixion of Jesus. They were converted by Thomas. Doubting Thomas went to India on a spice trader and converted people to Christianity. And through the years, this sect of Christianity is able to trace the roots all the way back. So this guy, Alex, says, yes, I'm a Christian, traces it all the way back, basically, to the crucifixion, and says, I will help you. I know some fishermen that can get you out to that island. And so Alex introduced Jonathan Chow to these fishermen, Jonathan Chow says, okay, we're going to put this plan in action. Comes back to the states, makes his final preparations, does some more linguistics training, reads over 100 books, gets ready. As he's getting ready to leave, as he's getting ready to go to Sentinel Island to to witness to the, the people on Sentinelese Island for Jesus Christ, he says his goodbyes to his friends. And he tells his friends and his family, he says, hey, look, I'm going to be gone for a really long time. My goal, my hope is to get to the island, the Sentinel Island, to learn the language, to live among them, to build rapport, and then introduce them to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And I hope it only takes 10 years. So he was saying goodbye, like this is going to be for at least 10 years before I see you again. He flies to India, Port Blair, he gets on that fishing trawler, the fishermen, they take him, they start taking him out towards the island. While he's on that fishing trawler, he writes in his journal. The night that he embarks, he actually writes it, and this is November of 2018. God, I thank you for choosing me before I was even formed in my mother's womb to be your messenger of your good news. May your kingdom, your rule, your reign come now to North Sentinel Island. Totally focused, totally intentional, knows that he knows that he is called to reach these people for Jesus Christ. The next morning, the fishing trawler gets within about five, 600 meters of the island. The sun rises, he can see the island. He gets his kayak off of this fishing trawler and he paddles towards the island. He's got gifts in this kayak. He's got some gifts that he wants to give to the islanders trying to break the ice. As he gets close to the island, the people come out and they're yelling and screaming in an unknown language. They don't seem too welcoming. All of a sudden, he sees them knocking arrows in their bows. It's like, uh oh, this ain't good. So he takes his gifts and he tosses them out of his kayak and he paddles and he writes down, I paddled like I've never paddled before. Now, this kid, he's an outdoor adventurer, an avid mountain climber, a swimmer, uh, all kinds of outdoor adventure. He's super strong. He says, I paddled like never before. And he gets back to the fishing trawler and he gets to the safety of the fishing trawler. Meanwhile, on shore, the islanders had been so agitated. They had two different types of uh, bow and arrows, they had the bow and arrow that you think of that which he saw them knocking and they also had these great big bows that they would string up with their feet so they would put the bow on their feet and they would haul it back and they would shoot these long like spears remember this fishing trawler is about 600 meters offshore and they launched a spear and one of those spears actually hit the railing of the boat from 600 meters with your feet and hands pretty mad respect in my book but scary situation to be in and so Jonathan Chow, he gets back to the fishing trawler like that was a failed attempt. He writes in his journal, he says, I felt some fear, but mainly I was disappointed because they didn't accept me right away. Few hours later and a lot of prayer later, he loads up again, like I'm not gonna be deterred. The people, they're just scared because they don't know what my intentions are. They've got their gifts, so now I'm gonna try again. He loads up more gifts in his kayak and he paddles out. This time as he paddles out, there's a different attitude on shore. And two men get in the water and they come out and meet him. He's thinking, this is going good. He gets out of his kayak. Everything seems to be calm. Can't speak the language. He hears a language around him. He can't understand it. He doesn't know how to communicate with them. But what he, one of the things he had brought with him, among the fresh tuna that he had given to, to the uh, the islanders, uh, he had a waterproof Bible. Didn't know what else to do. So he started reading the Bible to him out of nowhere. A kid, a boy, knocked an arrow in his bow, and launched it at him. And he had his Bible in his hand, and he held it up, and it stopped the arrow. And he's like, "Uh oh, this is bad news." They're agitating. He reaches for his kayak, and it's not there. The islanders had disappeared. His kayak, and so he swam, and he swam over a mile to get to the uh, back to the trawler. Like that's a Navy SEAL kind of swim. This kid was tough. He was a tough kid. Swims all the way back out there. Gets to the fishing trawler. And he sits down, he's, he's he's deflated, and he writes in his journal. He says, it's weird. Actually, no, it's natural, I'm scared. There, I said it, he wrote in his diary. And as he's writing, his handwriting is getting increasingly agitated. And in big, bold capital letters, he writes, I don't want to die. And then he goes on to say, would it be wiser to leave and let someone else continue this? Of course, by now, you know where this story is headed. Jonathan Chow did give up his life in November of 2018 and he made international headlines uh, with his death. There were memes circulating throughout social media making fun of him. There were articles that were written criticizing him. Even Christians were very harsh in their condemnation of Jonathan Chow. He was stupid is uh, what, the, what the overall attitude of John Chow was. But GQ Magazine, of all places, GQ Magazine, wrote an article. And in this article, and I'll just quote it for you, Chow prayed. Practically anyone else would have asked the fisherman to return him to Port Blair, but judge the situation from Chow's point of view. He considered the Sentinelese to be living in Satan's last stronghold, destined for hell unless he rescued them for heaven. To him, there could have been no greater act of love than risking his life to save them from eternal torment. Jonathan Chow, on that fishing trawler in that moment, he wrote in his diary, he said, Lord, let your will be done. If you want me to get actually shot or even killed with an arrow, then so be it. I think I could be more useful alive though, but to you, God, I give all the glory of whatever happens. And so thinking carefully, he stripped down to his undershorts. Actually, his black undershorts there, and he got off the trawler the next morning and he told the trawler, he said, I'm swimming to shore with nothing this time. I don't want them to, and I want you to disappear. You guys leave me here. I am swimming to shore, no threat to anybody. That was the last time that anybody saw Jonathan Chow alive. The fishing trawler came back the next morning and in the morning, uh, in the morning light, they saw the Islanders dragging a body by the neck, a body wearing black undershorts and burying that body in the sand. Jonathan Chow had given up his life in that moment. You know, there were criticisms by Christian for, by Christians for Chow said that he was foolish, he was impetuous. We don't do missions that way. Criticism from the world, secular media said, "Well, those were happy people. Just leave them alone. Why impose your beliefs on those people?" But the the author of that Matt, magazine uh gq magazine the author of that article there doug bach clark he said that the bible that got shot by the arrow john actually recorded where that arrow had stopped remember when the boy shot the arrow at him and he stopped it with his bible that arrow came to rest at isaiah chapter 65 verse one it's god speaking i was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me i was ready to be found by those who did not seek me I said, here I am, here I am, here I am to a nation that was not called by my name. In a letter to his parents that he wrote that last night on that fishing trawler, John Chow wrote, you guys might think I'm crazy and all this, but I think it's worth it to declare Jesus to these people. Please do not be angry at them or at God if I get killed. He went on to conclude, he said, I love you all and I pray none of you love anything more in this world than Jesus Christ. And for that, he was featured in this past June's Voice of the Martyrs magazine. He was, uh, he was the, the Martyr of the Month. I hate that we even have such a thing. But an inspiring story like that is as old, is as, old as Christianity is. We get introduced to martyrs. One of the first martyrs that we know of according to tr- Christian tradition is the Apostle Paul, 66 AD this past June, June 29th, was the 1,956th commemoration of the Apostle Paul's death at the hands of Nero. And if, you, if you study the life of Paul, you remember that he was once called Saul, a terrible guy. He approved the execution of Stephen. He had letters to go to Damascus and to persecute the church in Damascus, but he met the resurrected Jesus on the road to Damascus and nothing has been the same ever since. Saul, called Paul, traveled the Mediterranean Basin, planting churches, sharing the good news that Jesus is the way. And it was it was Paul who was flogged, whipped, beaten, stoned, shipwrecked, snake bitten, and persevered, always with boldness, always with courage, always driving forward. He was ultimately beheaded by Nero in 66 A.D. There were twelve disciples that you're familiar with from reading the Gospels—Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John—the twelve disciples that hung out with Jesus. They didn't understand him when he was here. But in light of the resurrection and the claims that Jesus had made on his own life, the disciples went forward with incredible boldness. We're not told in the Bible how all of them died. We actually only have record of two of them in the Bible. The first one would be Judas Iscariot, who killed himself because he felt so guilty for having to betray Jesus. You can read about his death in Matthew chapter 27. James, the son of Zebedee, the brother of John, the sons of thunder, James tradition tells us he was beheaded by a sword by Herod Agrippa around 44 AD not far from where he was a local missionary to the Jews in Judea His accuser ironically was converted to Christianity and was di- and died right alongside of James converted by his courage You can read a partial account of his death in Acts chapter 12 verse 2 Christian tradition goes on to tell us that uh, the other disciples Simon Peter the rock you know Simon Petra on this rock I will build my church. Peter the one who preached that message in Acts chapter 3 and 3,000 souls were added started the church on that day. Peter martyred by crucifixion in Rome by Nero about two years after the death of Paul so 68 AD crucified upside down at his own request because he said I'm not worthy to die in the same manner as my Lord and the Romans were all too happy but to oblige. Andrew, the brother of Peter, crucified. He was bound, not nailed, on an X-shaped cross at Petraea, Achaia, which is in southern Greece. He hung alive, tradition tells us, he hung alive for two days, exhorting spectators all the while, telling people as they passed by that Jesus is the way. Bartholomew, also known as Nathaniel, preached the gospel in Mesopotamia and Persia, which is Iraq and Iran. He went to Ethiopia, Arabia, and India, martyred by being skinned alive and then crucified near Turkey. James, the son of Alpheus, was the first bishop of Jerusalem martyred in the early 90's by being stoned and then his head being bashed in with a club. Matthew, the tax collector, also known as Levi, martyred around 60 A.D. by being staked and speared to the ground. He had preached the gospel in Ethiopia, was killed for questioning the morals of the king. Philip, said that he was tortured, impaled by iron hooks in his ankles and hung upside down to die, preaching to his death in 54 A.D. in Hierapolis, Egypt. He had preached in Phygra, which was the Roman province near Asia. The, the, uh, the whole reason for his death was that he had converted the wife of a Roman official. And that was a death sentence for him. Simon the Zealot, thought to have ministered mostly in Jordan, he was martyred by crucifixion in Britain. In 64 AD, and then after his crucifixion, he was sawn in half, just to make sure, I guess. Thomas, we call him Doubting Thomas. I like him because he's the skeptic. He needed some proof, and there's nothing wrong with that. Martyred by being thrust through with a spear in India. He had preached the gospel in Iran and uh, and then in southern India, which we mentioned that earlier on, where yet today the Martama Church still exists. John, the son of Zebedee, also the brother of James, the only disciple that we know of that probably died a natural death, not for lack of effort. Tradition says that uh, they tried to kill him by bur- pouring burning oil, bur- boiling oil over his body, and didn't have the desired effect. So he was exiled to Patmos instead, where he had a vision and he penned the book of Revelation. He was later freed, which is great because now we have the book of Revelation from which we can study. There were other Bible figures, John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark. He was martyred by being dragged to death. Luke, the physician who wrote Luke and then Acts, hanged on an olive tree. Matthias, the disciple who replaced Judas in Acts chapter 1, he was stoned and then beheaded in Jerusalem. James, the brother of Jesus, wrote the book of James, said it counted all joy when you encounter trials, writing to the persecuted church. He was thrown off of a very high wall. This was done after he repeatedly refused to deny his faith in Jesus. He survived that fall, was beaten to death with clubs somewhere in Turkey. Jude, also the half-brother of Jesus, wrote the book of Jude, martyred by being beaten with a club and then crucified in 72 AD in the city of Edessa, which is in Turkey, while he was on a missionary trip that went, to, went through Iran and on into Turkey. I'll tell you what, folks, it is dangerous to be a Christian. It's dangerous then, it's dangerous now. We read these stories of the early martyrs. We read the story of John Chow, who gave up his life for the faith and it's dangerous to be a Christian, but you know that doesn't seem to bother us. That it's dangerous to be a Christian. We race dirt bikes, we race four wheelers, mountain bikes, whatever it is. We're not afraid of a little danger. Not afraid of maybe uh, maybe breaking a bone or or having somebody beat us up because of what we believe. But you know what we are afraid of? You know what I'm afraid of? Afraid of being called a name. I'm afraid of being considered weird because I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. But you know, the kind of courage that we've talked about, the courage that Jonathan Chow had, here's what he wrote in his journal. He said, once I said yes to Jesus, I was committed, I was all in. I believe that the measure of success in the kingdom of God is obedience. I want my life to reflect obedience to Jesus Christ and live in obedience to Him. I think that Jesus is worth it. He is worth everything. And Jonathan Chow went on to give his life that everything you see here's what it comes down to my friends then and now the faith of those early martyrs the faith of John Chow it comes down to this right here you see if this the Word of God if this is true then it's worth dying for and if it's worth dying for it's worth living for Jonathan Chow had that understanding deep within his heart and everything that he did was to share the gospel. With the people that he knew God had called him to. If this is true, and that's the decision, that's what you need to come to. You need to decide, is this true? Because if it's true, it changes everything. Now what's in here? This is the story of God. It starts in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He created mankind. Male and female, He created them. After His own image, to have relationship with God Himself to have relationship with one another, to have dominion over this earth. But it was a relationship at the very beginning. But you can't have relationship without love. You can't have love without free will. You can't have free will without choice. There was a choice at the very beginning of time. Mankind, Adam and Eve, they made that choice, the same choice that you and I have made. I'm gonna do it my way. And relationship was broken. Sin entered the world and sin, the destruction of mankind. God had a plan in the very beginning. Genesis chapter three, he had a promise to fulfill that uh, your seed, the seed of Satan, the seed of the woman, they are gonna be at enmity. But there's gonna come a day where you bruise his heel and he will bruise your head. Genesis chapter 12, the covenant with Abraham. To protect that original promise in Genesis chapter three, there's a covenant about a people that God is going to raise up and through this people there's going to be a blessing to the entire earth God through the seed of Abraham lots of people the land and through Abraham the protection of that promise that came through the law and the prophets and all the prophecies and everything that God protected through the Old Testament out came the Messiah we enter into the New Testament Jesus the Son of God God in a bod born of a virgin came down and lived the perfect life that none of us could ever live. Never broke relationship with God the Father, although we have. Jesus lived that sinless life that we could never live, and then he paid the price that we could never afford to pay. He gave his own life. He gave his own blood on the cross. And it was done and it was over. But on the third day, he rose to life again, proving that he was exactly who he said that he was, proving that he could do exactly what he said he could do, and that is to forgive the sins of the world. That is the question my friends, that is the question you have to answer for yourself. Did Jesus really rise from the dead? Because if he did, this is all true and if he did not do that then this is all false. You can read through the eyewitness accounts. You can read through about Saul who became known as Paul and had an encounter with the risen Jesus. You can read about Peter and James, and John, and Paul, and all of these guys who died not for what they believed but for what they saw. They saw the resurrected Jesus with their own eyes and through all of history nobody has ever died to protect a lie. These guys gave up their life. It was no hoax you're gonna to have to answer that question, did Jesus really raise from the dead? If he did raise from the dead, then this is true. If this is true, it's worth dying for. If it's worth dying for, it's worth living for. Christian, today's the day you can go all in because it changes the rest of your life on this earth. If you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, I encourage you, really dig into that question. Did Jesus really raise from the dead? I have Bibles up here if you need them. My name's Chuck come talk to me chuck at teamfaith.com if you need to reach me uh, offline here i'd love to talk to you lord thank you so much for today thank you for the opportunity to be at a racetrack in a country where we are still allowed to boldly proclaim the name of jesus christ thank you for the opportunities that you've given us may we live into those opportunities lord people that don't know you may they come to know you right here on the gncc racing nation those of us that do know you Sometimes we need to recommit. Sometimes we need to refocus. Man, may we go all in for you, Lord, and change the landscape of the GNCC racing nation and the landscape of eternity to come. Lord, we love you. It's in, G- in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks for hanging out with me. Let me know if you need anything. Otherwise, have a great race, and I'll see you in two weeks. I want to say the John Penn. I think he's the Burr Oaks, though, isn't it? I'll see you there.